on earth. And so I just wanted to set up some expectations on uh, what we'll be doing over the next five weeks so that you can have a, a clear understanding of, of where we're going. And, and here's how I'll do this, because um, everything can be tied back to Apple products. So um, I recently saw the movie Jobs. Okay? Jobs was a movie about Steve Jobs, the founder and CEO of Apple, uh, who passed away a couple of years ago. And uh, Steve Jobs completely changed the game in regards to technology, specifically in regards to uh, phones, uh, computers, and even music devices, right? And, and Steve Jobs, uh, he, he was incredibly driven. Uh, he had like a purpose and, and a mission in his life, and he worked towards that to literally uh, the day that he, he died. And so the movie Jobs is essentially... Uh, a bunch of, of episodes or instances or snapshots in Job's life that when combined show the sum impact of his life. During the movie, you see each of these, these pivotal or important instances in his life that show us why some people loved him, why some people hated him, but why to some degree a lot of us have been affected by his life work. He, he was extremely driven, had a mission and a purpose. And so over the next five weeks, we're actually going to be looking at five instances or, or episodes, not of Steve Jobs, okay, uh, but of, of Jesus. And, and here, here's the similarity. See, these five episodes or instances in Jesus' life, uh, they embody his mission on earth. And, and they inform us of our response to what Jesus did. Uh, like the movie, uh, when, over the next five weeks, we're going to be able to see uh, kind of uh, each of these five instances, the impact, impact that Jesus had. Not that he was a good teacher, not that he was a good person, or not even that he has impacted some of us to some degree. But that um, through these five instances, Jesus completely changed human history. Not only human history, but human destiny moving forward. Completely changed it. Jesus had a clear mission, he had a clear purpose, and he worked towards that. And so today, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3. So if you have your Bible or Bible app, you can turn there. That's what will we'll be today. Today's uh, snapshot or, or instance in Jesus' life was very pivotal, not only to his life, but to the Christian faith as a whole. Uh, in fact, uh, this instance kind of began his earthly ministry on earth. Not much is known about Jesus before this particular time, other than, of course, his birth. Uh, today, we're talking about the baptism of Jesus. Baptism. So, before I dive in, pun intended, uh, some of you got that. That's always the jokes that you plan that never work out. It's the spontaneous ones that are better, okay? So before I dive in, um, I just want to address maybe that tension or elephant in the room because as soon as a room decides with this many people, as soon as we say the word baptism, already there are a, a set of expectations, a certain understanding, and even maybe like a personal experience with this idea of baptism. Depending on how you grew up, depending on what church you grew up in, or, or maybe you didn't grow up in church at all, we have certain expectations or understandings. Baptism takes different shapes and different forms. 
It happens even at different ages uh, in a person's life, depending, again, kind of how you grew up and, and what church affiliation or denomination you grew up in. And so just to kind of put on the table, I grew up uh, in a Baptist church. And so as a child, I thought, well, baptism is something that we do because it's in our name. It's in our title, right? We're Baptists. That's what we do. You baptize people. In fact, as a child, I, I assumed that we did it right. I mean, because we're, we were called the Baptists, right? We, we do it right. And that church down the road, they, they don't do it right. I mean, because, again, we were the Baptists. And that was a little bit of my experience. But he, here's the deal. No matter what church denomination or affiliation you grew up in, whether it was Catholic or Presbyterian or Methodist or Baptist or et cetera, et cetera, the list goes on and on and on. To some degree in the Christian faith, you have some sort of knowledge or experience with this idea because of this one verse. It comes in Matthew uh, chapter 28, and you can just follow along on the screen, and here it is in verse 19. Jesus says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, and, and here it is, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So Jesus here gives us this command to, to baptize other people. He, he's saying, hey, do this action of baptism. doesn't give us a lot of details, and doesn't give us a, a one, two, three step policy on how we're to perform that, whether, you know, it's in a pool or in a body of water or sprinkling or whatnot. Like, those are details that we're not going to get in this morning. We're going to look into more of the, the purpose and the meaning behind baptism and specifically in Jesus' life. In fact, that verse is why when you, when you uh, participate or you view a baptism, you hear that phrase, you know, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus said that. He kind of gave us this template to say, hey, when you baptize someone, you need to do it in the name of the Father. Okay, God the Father, that makes sense. And you also need to do that in, and this was controversial. This is what ultimately would get him killed. You also need to do it in my name, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. So he provides this, this template. The only problem is that moving forward past this initial command, moving forward into Acts and the, the beginning of the church and uh, to the rest of the New Testament and even to the rest of the church history leading up to this day, things get a little fuzzy. You know, these details of how you do it and when you do it and what it should look like and how often those things get a little, little fuzzy. And so today we're going to look at the baptism of Jesus. And here's what I know. Uh, whether you're here and you've viewed hundreds of baptisms and already, if you're honest to yourself, you're sitting there and being like, man, not, not another teaching on baptism, right? You can admit that. I mean, I've, I've been there before. Ah, I was really hoping there'd be something else, not baptism. Like, I've already been there. I've already, I've already done that. Or, or maybe he, you're new, and this, this concept is, is kind of strange and different to you, and, and you're like, man, I was hoping that we would get something a little more practical, something a little more down-to-earth, something that I would actually feel normal about talking with my friends about. But, but baptism, here's what I know. Every single person in this room needs to hear and needs to see what Jesus did. And in fact, every single person in this room has a response to, to the truth that we're going to look at. Every person needs to hear this today. And so let me, I'll just address all of those. Okay, first of all, if you're, if you're here and you're a Christian and, and you've been baptized, what we're going to see is that 
Every time you hear a teaching on baptism, every time you see a baptism, you should, you should kind of lean forward on the edge of your seat. You should be uh, just, I mean, shaking with excitement. In fact, every time you, you witness a baptiz- baptism, every time you, you hear a teaching on baptism, there is something for you to still participate in. There is actually uh, an action or, or a step that you can take to participate in. For those of you who are Christians here and you've not been baptized, you've never, you've never participated in this, this activity, and, and for whatever reason that is, I hope that by, by the end of our time together, it is absolutely clear what you need to do next. I hope that by, by looking at the story in Jesus' life, that you know exactly what you need to do next, that it becomes so clear and whatever was holding you back before, just it kind of dissolves away and you're ready to, to move forward. For those here who, who you would say that you're, you're not a Christian, like you don't believe in the stuff that we believe in as a church. You're, you're here either because someone forced you or they bribed you with free lunch or uh, you're just curious about this, this whole church thing. And, and my hope is that by the end of today, Baptism doesn't just become less strange to you, but that the gospel of Jesus uh, becomes clear. And, and that you, you respond and that you would know how you should respond to, to this message and, and to the truth that we're going to see. And to the fact that, that Jesus was baptized for a specific reason. So I'm going to start off by just giving a brief history of the word baptism or baptism, and, and by no means is it an all-encompassing history. We don't have enough time to go into that, but, but, but here you go. Uh, this will create uh, a good foundation, um, a, a springboard into understanding what happened in Jesus' life. So the word baptize, uh, the New Testament was originally written in Greek, and so what we read today, like in your Bible, in your Bible app in English, um, it was either translated from the Greek or transliterated, meaning they took just the, the words and they they move that over to the English language. And so the word baptize in the original language literally meant uh, to, to wash, to plunge, to soak, or to dip. In fact, there are many instances in the Bible where this word baptize or wash is used to literally just refer to the washing of dishes, right? Or, or the washing of your hands before, before a meal. Like there was nothing super religious or super spiritual about this word baptize or, or wash, you know? They, they weren't saying, you know, hey, have this big religious ceremony for your dishes every time you clean them. Like, they were just saying, hey, you wash them, right, because they're, they're dirty. Or, hey, before you eat, wash your hands so, so that they're clean. So how does this word that didn't have necessarily this origin and, and religion and spirituality become something that we use today as baptism that is such an important part of our faith. Well, um, before, Jesus is, uh, before Jesus came to earth, God's people were called the Jews. The Jews were, were God's chosen people. Uh, they were supposed to be an example to the world of God and, and, um, and what he wanted to accomplish and then there was this other group of people, Gentiles, which are most of us in the room. And so before Jesus came, there were some Gentiles that looked at the Jewish religion 
And whether they heard the teaching or whether they were introduced to someone that was a Jew, they would be like, hey, I want to become a Jew. For whatever reason, they would be like, hey, I, I want to become a Jew. I want to follow the Jewish uh, religion, the Jewish uh, law. I want to follow the one true God of the Jews. Now, obviously, the person wanting to do this was, was not born a Jew. And so they had to go through some sort of uh, like religious process, if you will. Now, depending on, on what uh, literature, from what period you read, uh, this process and the details maybe look a little different. Uh, for instance, there was a particular process having to deal with males that kept a lot of males away from turning to the Jewish religion. We're not going to talk about those details this morning. Uh, but there was a particular process that was, was, uh, was common. It was, it was a common thread among all of these processes, and it was this idea that this, this Gentile, this person wanting to turn to the Jewish religion, had to wash themselves. Wash themselves. And so they would go, and, and, and they would wash themselves, and it wasn't purely for like a, a physical, they weren't like literally saying, hey, I need to get clean to become a Jew. What it was is it was a religious or, or spiritual symbolism that they were, they were washing off their old Gentile their old way of life, their old sinfulness, and that they were associating with a new way of life, with the Jewish customs, with the Jewish traditions and the laws, and they were following the God of the Jews. So it was a, it was a normal practice of washing themselves, but it had this religious or spiritual context of turning from their old way of life to a new way of life. So they would go and they would they would wash themselves. And then we, we, we fast forward to the New Testament, and there was this guy named John. John was a strange dude. In fact, uh, today, if I saw John, like, in Walmart, because um, he wouldn't go to Target. He would definitely go to Walmart. Um, or on the street somewhere, and if I was with my daughter, it would be a parental instinct to steer my daughter away from this man. Like, all right, Allie, like, let's just stay away from that man. He's eating bugs and smells like a middle school boy's locker room, okay? So let's, let's stay away from him. John was a strange dude. In fact, John had like this one simple, clear message over and over. And here, here it was. He, he went around and he was saying, repent. So he, he would go around and, and these groups, hey, you guys over there, repent. Turn from your old ways. Turn from your sin. Turn towards God. Repent. And then he'd, he'd try, hey, you guys, repent. There's something about to happen. There's someone coming that's going to change everything. Repent. He had a very limited vocabulary. And so he just went around. That's all he said, repent. Change your ways. Be ready. Something's coming. And not only that, but he also would, would participate in this strange practice. He would invite people who had repented who had turned from their old ways and, and their sinful life and had turned towards God, and he would invite them into a body of water to be washed, to be baptized. This is where his name, John the Baptizer, or John the Baptist, comes from. Because that's, that's what he was known for. He was just this guy that was, was baptizing people. And, and, and when, when they were baptized, it was a symbol uh, of both inward and outward that they were, again, they were, they were turning uh, from their old ways and they were turning towards a new association 
something that was new to them, a new way of life, a new thinking, a new understanding. And then one day, Jesus comes on the scene. And this is where we get to Matthew chapter 3. Jesus comes on the scene, and he's walking towards John the Baptist, probably in the middle of him baptizing someone. And John just literally stops in his tracks. Hopefully, he doesn't stop in the middle of a baptism, and he lets him up. But he, he stops in the middle of his tracks, and he gets everyone's attention on Jesus. And so I... And this is one of those movie scenes where I don't know if there's like this light shining down and the wind's blowing Jesus' hair in the background as he walks down. But, but either way, John recognizes that it's Jesus. And, and he says, hey, everyone, this is the guy. Guys, guys, this is the guy who my sole purpose was to make sure that you were prepared for and that you were ready. Hey, guys, guys, this is the guy who I'm not even worthy to, to untie his shoes this is the guy who's going to take away the sins of the whole world. This is Jesus. Everyone, this is him. Now, you have to understand that around this body of water, this river, there were a lot of people there. This was a, this was a public display. You had people there that were participating in this idea of baptism with John. You had people there that were just doing normal routine things like washing their clothes or playing with their kids by, by the river. You had people there that were just there to observe because they, they, they heard about this crazy guy named John and they just wanted to look and laugh at him maybe. And so you had all these people around. And so Jesus walks down to the water. John directs everyone's attention to Jesus and Jesus asks John, to baptize him. He says, John, I want you to baptize me. And John's response is probably a lot like ours. And so in Matthew chapter 3, verse 14, here's what happens. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? And so it's a natural, like, if I'm in that spot, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, Jesus you're the perfect son of God. You don't need to be baptized. You don't have anything to repent from. You have nothing to turn from and turn to. It's like, you're perfect. Like, I should be baptized. You should be doing this to me. There's something wrong, Jesus. You don't, like, did Mary drop you on your head when you were young? Like, what's wrong? This isn't right. And so Jesus' response to this is amazing. Here's what he says. Jesus replied, verse 15. Let it be so now. Let it be so now. And then this, this, is, this is important. He says, it is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. So Jesus looks at John and he says, John, we gotta do this. In fact, he, he says this. He says, he says John, God, the, the plan for God to, to restore everything and to make things right the way that he intended it to be it's happening right now. God's plan of restoring relationships back to himself, the purpose that I came to earth, it's happening. It's coming together. This is happening, John. I've got to be baptized. I've got to lead the way. I've got to set an example. Like, baptize me. And so he does. And then you have this incredible moment of, of like this, this affirmation, this stamp of approval from heaven. And so as Jesus comes up from the water, he, here's what happens. 
Matthew chapter 3, verse 16. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened up. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Jesus' baptism displayed his inner obedience to what his mission and purpose was on earth. In that moment, as Jesus is baptized, literally what he's doing is he is submitting himself to the Father's will to say, God, I know why I'm here. I know what I need to accomplish. And, and I'm submitting to that purpose. It, it was also an outward declaration to other people to say, like, this is who I am. This is who my identity is. I'm the son of God. And, and so he was baptized to, to outwardly declare that to everyone that was there and anyone that would read about it, like us today. And it's just so cool that, that God the Father shows up and, and God the, the Spirit, and, and he gives this stamp of approval, right? So as Jesus is doing this, he, he comes up and he says, this is my son, and I'm well pleased with him. Because he's doing exactly what he came to do. The mission, the, the purpose, the very reason he was, he was come to, to born and to live. Like, it, he's, he's doing it. My plan is starting to come together of restoring people to myself. Of making things right the way that it was tended to be. And it was his, his stamp of approval. And, and I don't think we can fully grasp or understand what's happening in this moment. Because I was... As I was reading and thinking through this uh, from just a human perspective, like, in, can you think in this moment, both God the Father and Jesus, like they know what the end of the road looks like for Jesus. Like in this moment of, of, of jubilation and celebration and just kind of like this, this launch pad into his ministry, in this moment, they know that the end of his life is going to be riddled with pain and suffering, with torture betrayal, yet, yet in that moment, Jesus submits himself to this inner obedience to say, I'm going to be baptized. I'm, I know my mission, and I'm declaring to the world that I am the Son of God, and I know exactly what I'm here to do. So what about us, right? Because obviously there's this difference between Jesus and us. But what about us? When, when we're baptized, okay, Jesus makes it obvious. He, okay, we read earlier that he, he commands us to, to go make disciples and baptize them. Okay, we got that. And then Jesus also sets the example. He, he does it first. He, he is baptized. So what, why do we do it? What, what is the purpose behind it? Well, here it is. Baptism is a sign of our identity restored and resolving. Baptism is a sign of our identity restored and resolving. And so here's the deal. Identity restored. In that moment of baptism, it is a sign that, that our identity, our original purpose is restored. That we are adopted into the family of God. That because of Jesus, because he took upon our sin, when we're baptized, it's a sign that God looks at us and says, You are my daughter. You are my son. Like, we become children of God. And so our identity is restored to its original purpose. You know, the, the same purpose that Adam and Eve displayed for us in Genesis before, before they sinned. To be in relationship, to be in perfect community with God. Our identity is restored. Our identity resolving. 
Uh, resolve means to, to convert or to transform. And so when we're, when we're baptized, when we, when we go through this, this exercise or this act of baptism, it's a sign that our life is no longer about ourselves. It's not. No longer. In fact, when we're baptized, it's a sign that we are, we are turning from our old way of life, from our sinful nature that separates us from God, and we're turning towards Jesus. We're identifying with, with Jesus as his follower. And the fact that it's resolving, the fact that it's transforming, points to the fact that the rest of our life, we start this journey of being transformed to the likeness of Christ. Outward, we're declaring to the world that I'm a follower of Jesus. So the rest of my life is going to be about um, you know, my heart and my mind being transformed into his likeness. And so over our life period, things like scripture and, and the Holy Spirit and community with other believers, they all work together to, to shape our hearts and our minds so that we become a, a better reflection of Jesus. Baptism is a sign of our identity resolved, or excuse me, restored and resolving. It's this process. Uh, many of you know uh, that um, I'm the student pastor and I get to... Uh, lead our middle school and high school students. And I love it. I love doing it. And we have some students who just, they just get it. Like they uh, are amazing. I, I look at back in my teenage years and saying, I was not even close to where they are in their understanding and also their exercise of their faith. And we have some great leaders that faithfully serve each week. And God's been doing some crazy stuff. Uh, in fact, this past fall, uh, we... We invited students to, to be baptized. Um, and the response from students, it was, it was overwhelming. And, and the night that we actually baptized them was an incredible celebration. It, it was an incredible night. And so uh, we have a, a video just kind of recapping that night and, and those, those students being baptized. So we'd love for you guys to see it. So direct your attention to the screens. The teenage years can be the most exciting, yet challenging years of a person's life. With the shift in our culture and the rate at which information, ideas, and worldviews are spread, it can be an ongoing battle for a student's mind and heart. Because of this, it would be easy for a student ministry to operate in such a way with the goal of just helping students get through middle and high school unscathed with their religion intact. As the student pastor of Collide, it is my passion to see students not just survive their teenage years, but rather thrive. At Collide, we continue to strive for new and creative ways to help students know what they believe about Jesus and why they believe it. To help students view their school as their mission field in which God has placed them to be light in a dark place. As a student ministry, we want to partner with them so that they can take either their first or next step towards a deepening relationship with Jesus Christ. This past fall, we gave the challenge to our students. Who was ready to take their next step of baptism? Who was ready to identify themselves with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ? Who was ready to tell the world that they were all in with Jesus? Their response was overwhelming. So on November 20th, 2013, we had our first ever Collide Celebration. We encourage the students to invite their friends and family to watch them take this next critical step in following Jesus. Brentwood Church, you showed up as well in large numbers to see a glimpse of what God has been doing in our student ministry here. 
We had a couple hundred people in all show up that night to celebrate together the baptisms that were taking place. It was such an incredible night. Each student wrote out their testimony, explaining that they believed Jesus was their Lord and Savior, detailing how He had radically changed their life. My favorite part was that each student had their small group leader baptize them. Besides the fact that I got to stay dry, it gave an opportunity for the small group leader to express their joy, excitement, and most of all their commitment to see their student continue to grow as a follower of Jesus Christ. Alex, Christian, Conrad, Eli, Emma, Ethan, Jonathan, Jordan, Caitlin, and Landon. Ten students in all took the plunge declaring to the world that their life was no longer about themselves, but rather about Jesus. It was a celebration. Brentwood Church, this is only the beginning. We will continue to pray towards and work towards God allowing Collide to have a huge impact on the students of our city, which ultimately allows families, neighborhoods, and schools to be impacted by the gospel of Jesus Christ. That was cool, yeah. And see, those students in, in that moment, and what we talked about, and what I made sure that they understood is that by being baptized in that moment, that they were uh, identifying inwardly that they were, they were a child of God, that, that they were restored into the family of God because of what Jesus has done. And each one of those students, when they were baptized, they were outwardly declaring to literally their friends as they sat here and family members and, and those of you who came that they were, they were identifying as a follower of Jesus, that they were all in with Jesus, and that they were beginning this, this lifelong pursuit of being transformed into the likeness of Christ. It, it, was, it was an incredible uh, moment um, of celebration. And listen, if you're a middle or high school student, uh, we have Clyde every Wednesday night, and I would love for you to come out and see what we do. In fact, we have a Clyde table out there where we have a leader um, who would love to answer any questions you have, kind of tell you uh, what expectations um, or what you can expect when you come to Clyde on Wednesday nights. So what now? Uh, now that we've seen uh, the baptism of Jesus, we, we've, we kind of understand like, why he, he was baptized. And then we, we look at ourselves and we say, okay, what's the purpose of baptism? Why do, why do we go through this process of, of washing, if you will? What, what, what now? Like, what is our uh, move forward? And like I said at the beginning, every single one of us in this room has a, a response, has some way that they can participate after hearing about this first episode or instance in Jesus' life. For those of you who are Christians and who have already been baptized, whether it was 20 years ago or two years ago, every time you see a baptism and every time you hear teaching on this subject matter, it is a chance for you to re-engage, to re-engage the meaning of your baptism. No matter what like, details you remember, no matter what emotions, the fact that you, were, you felt like you had butterflies in your stomach as you were getting ready, like you were nervous, no matter what, it's a chance for you to re-engage that meaning, to, to remember the commitment that you were making in that moment, not just to yourself and God, but to the rest of the world, that you, you were following Jesus, 
that you are, you are a child of God and that you are turning from your old ways and turning towards Jesus. It's a way for you to re-engage. In fact, um, this is especially important if you're in like a dark time in your life. Uh, you, you guys know I, I love sports, and so I talk about sports a lot. This last year has been difficult for two of my particular sports teams. Uh, in fact, this past month was kind of the climax of my despair. Uh, they both lost uh, multiple pivotal games by a lot. And, and uh, a lot of people were quick to remind me that they lost. And so here, here's the thing, though. It's in moments like this past month that I have to remember, like my commitment to my sports team is not about their current performance. My commitment to my sports team is not about how the season is doing, not about how the team is doing, but that I am, at the end of the day, committed to them. It's all, a lot like marriage, right? No matter what, like I'm committed to you, right? Well, maybe that's where you are in your life. Maybe your faith just kind of hit this uh, this dark period, you, you feel static, you feel asleep. And, and what you can do today is to remember that commitment that you made 20 years ago, two years ago, to say, yeah, that's the commitment I made. That's what it meant. Like, I was no longer identifying with my sinful nature. I was turning to Jesus. I'm a follower of Jesus. Yes, yes, I remember. Like, that's what, that's what happened. That's what it meant for me. And so remembering and re-engaging with your baptism can help be a stepping stone for you to take movement forward, to kind of reignite that passion as a follower of Christ. So this morning, you, you can re-engage your meaning of why you were baptized and, and why you went public with your faith. For the person here uh, who has been uh, you, you've been saved, you're, you're a Christian, you, you believe Jesus is the Son of God, He's your Lord and Savior, but you haven't been baptized. Whether it's been fear or pride, maybe a lack of understanding, maybe even a lack of opportunity, and, and you've not been baptized. I, I hope that now it has become very clear that your next step is to do so. That Jesus not only commanded us to do so, but that He, he demonstrated like, he led the way. And so he, here's what we want you to do. Today, uh, we want you to sign up. We want you to sign up. And, and we want to make it as easy as possible, uh, this first step. And so literally, you can take out your phone, and you can text your name and email to 434-515-1071. And, and trust me, there's going to be some more stuff after this, but we wanted to make sure that, that you had a way to respond today to this truth. It's the example that Jesus gave us. So you text your name and email to this number, and we'll follow up with you. We'll let you know what you need to do next in order to move forward. And, and I'll tell you, we're going to do baptism here at Brentwood like we've never done before. Never done it before. And it's going to be incredible. It's going to be a celebration. And we want you to participate in that. So do it. Whatever was holding you back before, fear or pride, anxiety, man, just... Throw that away, clear next step, sign up. And finally, for those of you who, uh, like I said, are here, you would admit that you're not a Christian, all of this sounds a little strange to you, my hope is by explaining baptism, by seeing this, this instance in Jesus' life, that the gospel of Jesus became clear to you. I, my prayer is that 
that you today would respond to how God is prompting you, that you would see that Jesus did come to die, that he did come back to life, and that you can be restored to relationship with your Heavenly Father. I hope that it became clear today that that Jesus' mission and purpose, even in that first act of baptism, was to live a a sinless life, to die, to raise, so that you could be restored, so that your identity could be restored, and that moving forward that you could, could be transformed into his likeness. And today you can respond to that. You have an action today to that message. And we want to help you do that. And so, listen, you can come talk to me, um, to Mark, any of our leaders, the info table, and we can help answer any questions. We want to walk beside you and help you get there. That's a, that's a way that you can respond today. Baptism. It's a, it's a declaration of our new association. Completely new. Baptism is a sign of our identity restored and our identity resolving. And so this morning, as we sing, as we worship God, man, just, like, whatever that prompting from God is, just do it. Like, just, just do it. And, and we're here to, to help you take whatever that next step is for you. Whether it's to, to re-engage your baptism, that meaning, or, or to, to say, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going I'm to take the plunge. Or to the first time to respond to the gospel of Jesus pray for you. Father, uh, thank you so much that you actually had a plan, that you, uh, you knew in advance what Jesus was coming to accomplish, and that even as we look at the baptism of Jesus, we can see how much purpose and how much intentionality there was in that moment. I, I mean, honestly, I, I'm grateful that Jesus was obedient to do that. He would forever change human history and human destiny. And and we can stand here restored in our relationship with the Father and and being transformed as we move forward because of Jesus. Man, that is good news. So, uh, God, as you move, as your spirit moves uh, in in our midst this morning, I just ask that people would respond how, how you're moving that we would take some very clear um, actions for it. We love you, and we worship you. We ask these things in your name. Amen.